You're listening to Radio Free Satan. Enjoy the show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nonsense, yo! It is Nonsense! Another week, the uh, third week in January. We're almost done with January, people. February? That's how it's spelled? February? Kind of uncomfortable to say like that. It's hot on the heels. But for now, what's Nonsense? It's a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I am your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. It's January 15th. I've got a great show for you this week. Before I start the show, I want to talk to you about Radio Free Satan. RadioFreeSatan.com! This is a website devoted to delivering you customized content. And it's time that they have to pay their bills. Everyone has to do it. When it comes around, everyone pays their bill. I get my monthly stuff, I get my uh, biannual stuff that I have to pay. Well, Radio Free Satan is no different. They have bills they need to pay. And these bills ensure that it keeps going so you, the listener, can enjoy it free. Hence the word free in Radio Free Satan. And it draws in other podcasters like myself to the Radio Free Satan fold to deliver you different types of content that you may not have already been offered. Content that you may not know that you want. You think you don't want it. Like, in your head, you're like, I don't want to listen to Adam Campbell telling me about Satanism through his perspective or news through his perspective. I don't want to do that. And then you listen and you're like, I still don't want to, but I'm going to listen because it's entertaining and he's a very strange human being and everyone has their own strange little tidbits to themselves and, you know, you can maybe identify with some of mine. That's why you listen to Radio Free Satan, because of uh, the little things that grab you. Uh, I mean, you can get music anywhere. You can get music from Pandora, you can get it from the store, you can get it from iTunes, you you can get music everywhere. You come to Radio Free Satan to get music, you come to Radio Free Satan to get personality shows and comedy shows, because we deliver it to you specifically with you in mind. That certain dark, decidedly satanic bent to it. Uh, that's why you come to us, and we want to keep doing it. And we're going to keep doing it. we got to pay the bills. But, if you can find it in your heart... Actually, we don't really care so much about your heart as your wallet. If you find it in your wallet, if you can crack open, if anyone has a wallet... Or money clip. Let's not forget the money clip, people. If you can find it in your wallet or your money clip... You know what? Let me just throw in there one more thing. Or piggy bank. If you can find it in your wallet, your money clip, or piggy bank... To donate a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten. Hell, you know, I'm not going to stop you. If you're like, you know what, I, I want to devote a thousand dollars. If you can afford it, hell, devote a thousand dollars to Radio Free Satan. That would be fantastic. But you know what, just because you listeners are appreciated so much, I'm going to uh, give a little uh, something back. So if you give ten dollars, and you can prove that you actually gave it, meaning some sort of transaction ID number, I don't 
want to see your personal information, but just some way of validating that you did in fact send it. You send ten dollars, I'm going to send you a very original, very satanic, very amazing take on a satanic song. Free. That's right. Radio Free Satan gives you free things for donating to them. And this is one of them. $10, you get a song. $20, you can get the song. Or you can also get my children's book as an ebook. And that could be either able to be read on a Kindle or um, uh, iBooks or you know whatever ebook reader you use. Or I can just give you a high res PDF that you can you know read at your leisure, however you'd like. So ten dollars you get a song, twenty dollars you get either the song or an ebook, and at fifty dollars, I'm getting you a t-shirt. That's right. Nine cents t-shirt. And it's produced by ASP Apparel. ASP Apparel. I always say that, ASP, not ASP. Anyway, I'm gonna pay them to make the shirt special for you, and I'm gonna have them ship it to you. That's right. That's how I roll. Fifty bucks is gonna get it for you. And if you don't want the t-shirt at 50 bucks and you have the ebook, that's cool. Or if you want the song also, that's cool. However you want to do it. We're just wanting to say thank you for donating to keep Radio Free Satan going. And that's really it. I'm only going to be doing this one more podcast episode. So people, get out there, donate what you can, because it is appreciated and it is needed from Radio Free Satan. Let's talk about the letters column. I've been talking recently at the beginning of every episode here since the new year that I've been thinking about putting out a um, sort of a a satanic advice column. Um, Something like this has been done before. There's nothing that I'm aware of that's really like this right now, which is why I want to do it. I mean, that's why I started doing Nine Cents in the first place. Um, You know, there were podcasts like this, maybe better, (laughs) maybe worse, But nothing was out at the moment when I started, and I I thought there should be something. Well, that's the same thing with this advice column. There's a lot of advice columns out there, but there's none that are really directed with a satanic bent to them. And that's what I want to do. Perspective of the left-hand path. uh, The satanic de facto opinion about people's problems or questions or whatever, what have you. If you want to help me get this off the ground, if you want to see this, then uh, you know what? Send me a letter. Let's start this off right with the Nine Cents community giving me what I need to get going. Radio Free Satan needs a little bit of help, a little skrilla. I need a little writing. So if you can do it, much appreciated, and we will get this thing off the ground. If not, it's not a big deal. Um, I'll put it off. I'll shelve it. I have a lot of other things going on that I can devote my time to. But this is something I think uh, I think will be fun. And if you'd like to be a part of something fun and entertaining, uh, hook it up, man. Let me know what you got. Or woman. Let's talk about the show, shall we? Today in The Devil's Advocate, we are finishing How to Be God of the Devil. Today is 9 of 9. We have been doing this for a long time. Now, it has, I don't know, been worthwhile? <laughs> I'd like to think so. I I like taking a look at these nine points and, and, and really delving a little bit deeper in what I think. And uh, I think you're enjoying it, and this is going to be the last one, and then we're going to move on to something completely different next week. So I hope you enjoy it. In Infernal Informant, 4th OC Transient Slain and Obama Administration would oppose legislation aimed at online piracy. 
in the creature feature, I'm giving you Josephine Seven. We're going to be talking about Lilith Awakened and some of her other projects, and a little bit just about her. This is one of those amazing satanic women that I just... Well, I, I want to hear from all of you, to be quite honest. Um, but this is one of them that I have been um, associating with online for a little bit. Uh, great woman. Pleasure to talk to. Uh, powerful satanic woman. I don't think I'm going to have a bizarre the bizarre, so we're not going to worry about that, and that's going to be it for the show. So, let's dive right into The Devil's Advocate now. You say why? I say why bother? How you done? Great. Let's cut the bullshit and get real. Why this purity you feel about evil? For Christ's sake, why? They don't lie to me. I guess, Father. You gotta feel that old nick in your soul. And it becomes clear. Like it did for me. The first time. That's when I realized my one true calling in life. And what's that? Shit, man. <laughs> I'm a born devil's advocate. Welcome to the devil's advocate. I'm a Satanist. I'm a member of the Church of Satan. But I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. The Devil's Notebook. This is full of a bunch of really amazing essays by Anton LaVey. It's uh, produced by Feral House, and this particular copy was um, copyrighted in 92. Uh, as with this entire series, and really this whole segment in this podcast as a whole, I don't read verbatim what the essay I'm reviewing is, or the topic, or the ideas I'm expressing. And I do that because, of, obviously, for copyright issues, but also because I'm not giving you other people's perspectives. I'm giving you my perspectives. Um, but I want to make sure that they're coming from a position of authority, and that's uh, Satanism. And in this case, you can't get more uh, authoritative than Anton Zander LeVay's own writing. Let's talk about how we've gotten here, shall we? Point one, don't advertise. Point two, never be fashionable. Three, you must be creative. Four, you must have style. Five, a sense of humor is a must. Six, always harbor some doubt, even about yourself. Seven, be aware of your own mortality. Last week, we talked about you must be perceptive enough to see things as they really are. And today, be merciful, especially when you're happy, but be cruel when you're pissed off. <laughs> That's right. So what does that mean? Be merciful when you're happy. Uh, and really, this all comes down to one of those fundamental satanic ideas of, you know, love to those who deserve it, as you perceive it. I mean, if, if you are being pleased by someone else, why would you not show affection or attention or gratitude to them for making you feel that way? It is the pure asshole and ingrate 
that ignores what makes him happy, and certainly not a god. I mean, what do you, when you think of a god, and you think of others pleasing him, you know, let's let's talk about some of ancient human beings' behavior. They would sacrifice crops to the god, whether that was their uh, harvest, or whether it was a flock, or particular... Uh, e- there's even cultures that would sacrifice their most treasured daughter, or woman, or man, in the in the culture, in the society, to their god to please them. I mean, no one's saying that we want sacrifices, but it's one of those things where if someone goes out of their way to make you happy, you must be merciful to them, show them some gratitude, show a little bit of respect, because that's exactly what they're giving you. They are earning your respect. On the other side of that coin, if they go out of their way and they are telling you through their actions that they want to be destroyed. If they're telling you through their actions that they don't care about you and they want your wrath, well, why would you not give it to them? They're asking you for it by treating you badly or negatively. Give them what they want. Show them a little bit of that God's wrath that is inside of you. Be cruel and uncaring. This is something that I've never understood about people in the herd, as it were. And that idea of, of loving one's enemy is so insane, I'm not even going to talk about it anymore. But to, if, if someone comes up to you and, example, steals your kid's bike, like happened to me last summer, or um, steals some flowers out of your garden, or what happened again, stealing grapes off of your grapevine in my front yard, uh let the wrath fly. These people are asking by going out of their way to invade your area, your immediate surroundings, stealing your property. They want to be punished. Behavior like that doesn't exist unless they're crying out for it. They need something to look at. So what God with his, worth his salt wouldn't want to give them what they want? A little bit of pain. Now, the best way to do this, as with anything, is in the ritual chamber. Knowing who it is helps even better. <laughs> but just, you know, if, if they're going to ask for it, you might as well give it to them. One, it makes you feel better. And two, they were asking for it, so obviously they want it. So they got to feel better after two. We live in a world that cries out for people to take a stand in a position of power. Well, we as Satanists do just that. And we don't let anyone dissuade us. We will give people what they want when they ask for it. When they ask for love and affection and they deliver it in droves, well, we give it back to them if we deem them worthy. And when they ask for our wrath, for our vengeance, we are more than happy to, more than willing to deliver it on a silver platter. That is it on how to be God of the devil. Now remember, these are just the nine points that Anton LaVey put out there. You may agree with them, you may not. This was just my perspective on each of those points. Thank you for listening. Let's jump into the Infernal Informant. That's enough! That's enough! Okay, yeah, Good news! There's no devil! Bad news! There's no heaven! There's nothing to see! I'm your informant. This is the Los Angeles Times. 
fourth OC transient slain. Published January 14th, 2012 by Mitchell Landsberg and Nicole Santa Cruz. The man is found dead behind an Anaheim fast food spot. Police detain a subject who was chased by bystanders. A homeless man was stabbed to death behind a busy fast food restaurant in Anaheim late Friday, a fourth such killing in Orange County in the last month, and police quickly took a man into custody for questioning. The suspect was being chased by two bystanders when police caught him on La Palma Avenue, about a quarter mile from the scene of the crime, according to Sergeant Bob Dunn, an Anaheim police spokesman. Authorities were cautious about linking the latest killing to the previous three, but said the subject bore a resemblance to a man being sought in those deaths, which have been called the work of a serial killer. Investigators said about 50 witnesses were being interviewed on about Friday's crime, and Orange County Sheriff's deputies were using bloodhounds to pour over the scene for clues. Asked if the man detained Friday looks like a man filmed in a surveillance video about the time and place of the first killing on December 20th, in Placentia, Deputy Anaheim Police Chief Craig Hunter said, yes, in a general sense, he does. In a general sense? <laughs> what? However, he said police were not assuming that they had solved the serial killings. We are certainly not letting down our guard, Hunter told reporters at an impromptu news conference near the crime scene. According to the Deputy Chief, Police received word at 8.17 p.m. of an assault in progress and rushed to the scene behind a Carl's Jr. restaurant on La Palma and Imperial Highway. They found the body of a homeless man with stab wounds near a trash bin. The victim was not identified by authorities, but Krista Shigetz, Shigetz, 42 of Anaheim, said she knew him as John. She said he was the only homeless man who frequented the Carl's Jr. restaurant. Appearing shaken and teary-eyed, she said she had known him for six years and gave him care packages at Christmas and Thanksgiving. He couldn't be nicer, she said. Well, of course, you're giving him free shit. He couldn't be nicer. It, maybe what could be nice is he would have worked for a living. Is, is that not an attribute attributed with nice? Police cordoned off the area about the crime scene, which was in a busy commercial area of restaurants, a movie theater, and a grocery store. The series of killings has prompted a major search with police from Anaheim, Placentia, Brea, joining forces in the investigation and increasing patrols in areas known for attracting the homeless. Detectives have enlisted the public's help, releasing grainy footage from a security camera showing a man police described as dressed in black and lying in wait about the time of the first attack in Placentia. That attack near a shopping center claimed the life of James Patrick McGilvery, 53. Investigators said that they were looking for a white four-door late model Toyota Corolla seen in surveillance video. So far, the primary lead is the footage from the security camera. Police said the man in the footage appears to be around 18 to 25 years old with a thin build and of average height. In December 28th, Lloyd Middow, 42, was found near a riverbed trail in Anaheim. Two days later, Paulus Smith, 57, was killed outside the Yorba Linda City Library. Police have been urging homeless people to seek shelter. 
and have gone into homeless encampments throughout Orange County, warning those living there that a killer is on the loose. Authorities have also conducted unusual roadblocks. On Tuesday, police stopped and interviewed drivers across the street from a Placentia shopping center where McGilvery was killed, looking for information on the case. They conducted a similar roadblock Friday afternoon outside the Yorba Linda Library, hours before and a few miles from the scene of Friday night's slaying. I don't feel like four killings a serial killer makes. I understand anything over one is habitual or repetitive in nature, potentially. But, I mean, you have three, for sure. Like, they don't know this guy is the same M.O. That I mean, outside of the homeless guy, I, I don't feel like that's really worth calling it a serial if you're a homeless man killing serial killer, where's the game? You know what I mean? And obviously, this guy's done it three times. He got caught the fourth time. He's not very good at it. If there were 50 witnesses in this case of this latest killing, how could he possibly be a serial killer worth his salt? In which case, I'm not condoning murder of anyone. But I do appreciate the serial killers out there. Not because it has anything to do with Satanism. I want to make that clear. Because it doesn't. Murder is not legal. <laughs> it is not okay. Go to the ritual chamber if you need to do something like that. But, personally, I enjoy the idea of thinning the herd. I would never do it myself, because I'm a law-abiding citizen. <laughs> but, I can find a, a little bit of appreciation in those who do. Now, these are crazy crazy insane people that latch onto one tiny idea and because of their uh, very challenging messed up childhood upbringing have decided it's best to kill a certain type of person well that's the serial killer i don't appreciate them because i like them i don't appreciate them because i like what they're doing i appreciate them for what they are they are the most carnal of anyone out there they take their brains and their bodies back to a time really pre-civilization where they're on the hunt and they just want to to release that now not everyone appreciates the serial killer i get that personally i don't think killing three and maybe four homeless men is worth being called a serial killer but if the police department wants to label this guy as a serial killer okay fine more power to them label the guy as a serial killer not a very good one does people like dahmer a disservice in sharing the name serial killer. <laughs> I mean, really, Dahmer didn't deserve any service at all, but y you get what I'm saying. I, th I think you're feeling what, what I'm getting at here. If we're going to have a serial killer, let's let's have a real one. I don't want a homeless guy. That's easy. If you're going to have a serial killer, go to, like... You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even going to say it, because then if someone does it, I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm going to be tied to it somehow, so... Look, if you want to kill someone, the only way you're going to be able to do that and get away with it, the ritual chamber. Metaphorically. That's it. Symbolically. Do not go out and kill people. But for those crazy people who are already doing it, already planning on it, uh, tip of my hat. Thin that herd. You target me, well, you're probably going to go down. But you target the weak and you might get a fair shot. Like the homeless, that may be a little too weak. 
All you, I mean, you, it's like a rat. You hold out a piece of cheese and they sort of slowly, shakingly walk up to you like an abused dog that isn't sure if you're going to hit them or if you really do have a piece of, like, like little bone in your hand you're going to give them, a little doggy treat. And they come up to you and they, you know, they get the little treat and then a little knife in the neck. Okay, it's not okay. I'm not saying it's okay. In real life, these are real people. Whatever. But, uh, you know, have a little... Uh, a little ambition as a killer. That's all I'm saying, all right? Have a little bit of pride. Let's say, have a little bit of pride in your target because that's what you're going to be remembered by. If you're going to do anything, if you're going to work at anything, be good at it. You get caught on the fourth one, you're not good. Pay your dues, move on with your life. And if that dude in that particular state is death, well then, well, you know, you, you kind of signed on for that. <laughs> so, responsibility to the responsible, it's your turn, buddy. Assuming that this was the right guy. The next article. I can only imagine how many people <laughs> I'm going to hear from about this. Um, Obama administration would oppose legislation aimed at online piracy. And this is actually from CBS New York, posted January 15th. Washington. The Obama administration says it would oppose pending legislation that would undermine the dynamic innovative global internet. The White House says in a blog post Saturday that while online piracy by foreign websites presents a serious problem, it is concerned with legislation that reduces freedom of expression, increases cybersecurity risk, or acts to undermine the global internet. The administration is responding to measures under consideration in Congress that would allow the Justice Department to seek a court order targeting rogue offshore websites. The White House says efforts to combat online piracy need to guard against the risk of online censorship of lawful activity. It says the openness of the internet is critical to innovation and must be protective. What do you think of the proposed legislation? Alright, so the, <clears throat> the idea behind censoring websites that promote online piracy, I understand, is is a real concern to uh, movie distributors, um, manufacturers, music industry, uh, a host of things. And really, the internet is sort of the last refuge of that Wild West mentality in our modern world. It's a place you can go to do anything, see anything, be whoever you want to be for that time. And a lot of people make their living solely through it. When you talk about um, some of the legislation, what it would do would allow that Millennium Copyright Act to really be curtailed. Because any time you use anyone else's intellectual property, even if it's a Creative Commons way, it can be contested. And throughout that contested period, they can shut down your website. And if you're sharing um, a server with other websites that may be doing it, you could face repercussions too in having your site shut down. That doesn't mean that you're going to be prosecuted or anything because you don't have anything to do with it. But, you know, it's it's that idea that you can suffer because other people are being um, assholes and stealing content. And what we have to take from a satanic perspective from this is that if you're going to enjoy a piece of media... Well, be responsible about it. Responsibility to the responsible. Buy that media. Pay the artist 
so that they can continue producing media again. Now, I, I don't see personally why it would take legislation to do this. Um, just continue prosecuting as you have. You know, once once a, a once an avenue is revealed to be um, a black market or um, pirating media, well, then go after it. You don't have to have an all-encompassing piece of legislation to do that. More to the point, you know, in this case, I'm absolutely agreeing with the Obama administration here. There's a lot to be said about uh, freedom of speech. As American citizens, we've always appreciated a higher sense of, of freedom of expression than a lot of other people around the world. And really, for everyone around the world, the Internet is that tool of expression, of, of freedom of expression, if you don't have it in your local environment. You start cutting in on that, like China is, for example. Um, then you are stifling your population. Now, uh, the Obama administration is talking about um, uh, innovation, particularly, because, you know, we're in election year and Obama's got to be focused on job building and the internet is a huge, huge, huge tool in doing just that, um, especially since we've moved past that uh, industrial country that you sort of do as when you're a second world power. Once you're a first world power, once you're a first world nation, you're no longer manufacturing as much. You're really purchasing other people's manufacturing. Um, it's sort of like that blue collar worker um, that has suddenly you know, worked hard his whole life and now he doesn't have to work anymore. Uh, well, that's kind of America. You know, we've worked hard our whole life. We don't have to work anymore as much. We have other people doing that work for us and we're just buying it. Um, America itself has lived the American dream in that respect. If, if we take away or if we stifle the internet, we're going to take a big chunk out of the capacity to continue working that way. Of, of living that dream. Um, and I know just as an individual, you know, I, I take, I take music that is offered for sale and I use it in my podcast. But for example, um, my, my, uh, Halloween greater magic episode last Halloween, I had sampled movies. Well, with this new legislation, if it gets passed, those samples of those movies though they are only seconds in length, would be enough for someone to report me and then have my podcast, my website shut down, but also anyone else sharing the same server, uh, and I actually use GoDaddy, through GoDaddy to do it. It's kind of funny because there was this big um, surge against GoDaddy because they had originally agreed with this legislation, um, and they have since, because of mass uh, exodus from their service, have changed their minds. <laughs> I don't care about shit like that. I get a solid product from GoDaddy, so I'm going to continue using them. Um, GoDaddy does not make legislation. They may back it, but they don't make it. So I'm going to focus on the core of the problem and not, uh, not anything else. In this case, you know what? I can't imagine why anyone, other than just people who just want to always be against Obama for no reason, would be against Obama in this stance. Um, privacy 
as I said before, as an American citizen, is dwindling quickly. The definition of terrorism and terrorist is becoming more broad by the moment, literally. Um, and with that, the freedom of those who may fall under that tent. And in a very real way, we should be considered, uh, we should be very concerned about that as Satanists. Uh, but you know what? Obama's right. Do not have this legislation get out there. And I hope if it does get passed by some of those ridiculous people in uh, Congress, uh, in the Senate, well, then I hope he vetoes it. He's got that authority until he doesn't. You know what I mean? That's going to do it for this Infernal Informant. I'm going to take a short break, and then we're going to dive right into Creature Feature with the interview. Enjoy. Venture down into Lambert's basement and join me, Dave Ingram and Eagle, Hello. where we time travel via nostalgia to a golden age of big band swing and jazz, only available on Radio Free Satan. are different than cats and hey what if jack nicholson were hey what if we are the world was sung by the cast of friends i think it might go something like this hi everyone i'm jay leno anyone remember when i was funny eat doritos ladies and gentlemen dane cook are you fed up with comedy that's made for the masses sick of stand-up comedian hacks with the same old routines that you've heard a thousand times before Equally tired of shock jocks who equate loudness with laughter? Hello, my name is Reverend Bill M., creator and host of The Devil's Mischief, a show where every week I present a new hour of comedy and novelty of devilish proportions. So tune in to The Devil's Mischief. Visit devilsmischief.com or radiofreesatan.com to download the latest podcast. The Devil's Mischief. Carnal comedy clips and netherworld novelty numbers simply not made for the masses. Are you looking for music from the 80s and the new wave, post-punk, and other hits? Jay Nothing, the host of The Metro, will take you back to the 80s with songs that made the decade of me so memorable. Get the weekly updates at RadioFreeSatan.com. And remember, Hail Satan. Oh, God. No. Just me. Know that after the heart stops beating, the brain can function for well over seven minutes. We got six more minutes to play. Why are you screaming when I haven't even cut you yet? Welcome to Creature Feature. Welcome to another Creature Feature. I'm being joined today by Josephine, our online persona, Josephine7. 
She's uh, one of the brainchilds, if not the brainchild, of Loth Awakened, and was a major part of seeing it uh, to completion with Anoxia of our conversation last week. Josephine, thank you so much for joining me. How are you tonight? I'm wonderful, Adam. Thank you. Great. I'm really kind of excited. Uh, I have never talked to you in person. We have corresponded a little bit online before, and it's always nice to hear a voice behind uh, an online icon, you know? Icon? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So can you uh, maybe inform us a little bit here? Who is Josephine? Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I don't know. I'm me. Um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a hard question. I've, I've been a COS member for quite some time, and I suppose most people know me through my um, erotic writing and my kind of mouthy, sassy way around <laughs> the internets. Uh, folks may remember me from Letters to the Devil. A very long time ago, I was actually on, what was it, IRC or whatever mm-hmm. those yeah. things were. Uh, and I've, I guess I've just been kind of around like that old sofa in the corner. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just been a fixture for a while, and I'm there. So uh. Nice. When did you, I mean, you said you'd been a member of the CUS for a while. When did you first, when were you first um, introduced to Satanism? You know, when did you first learn about it? You know, I was in high school, back with the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, I kind of grew up in a family that was not very religious. My mother actually, in the third grade, yanked us out of church because uh, I was using her own religion to point out where she was not you know, she, <laughs> essentially yeah as a, as as a third grader I was rather sassy myself but I essentially kind of threw it back at her like well you know you're making us go every Sunday and you're you're telling us all this but you're not doing this so you know what's the deal with that you yeah. know um and she at one point just you know what she felt she felt and rightly so that we were getting a little too indoctrinated so to speak mm-hmm the truth was I wasn't, but I knew how to parrot it back pretty well. And I knew how to, <laughs> you, know, you know, don't tell me I can't do this and then you go do it too. You know, if you want me to live by these rules, you better live by them too. Or we need to, you know, even at a young age, I, I was pretty quick to figure out what was going on there. Yeah, <clears throat> and essentially great. when I went to high school, you know, I kind of was like, yeah, all my friends were religious I went to church and, you know, there was, you know, wanting to be part of something social, but, you know, not being a Christian and not really having that background, it just, you know, I, I couldn't do that. So I, of course, every person in high school runs into the Wiccans and, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I thought well, this is kind of interesting and, you know, there's that whole nature thing and it seemed like relatively speaking a little more easy to, to kind of stomach. Uh, and, you know, I was curious and, you know, so I started exploring that and I remember very distinctly I had this uh, spell book and <clears throat> the, there was a, a recipe, listen to me, a spell for losing weight, like what high school girl isn't trying to do that. Mm-hmm. I read through like five pages of light a pink candle and do this and that and Make a circle and sleep with this bag of herbs under your pillow, and blah blah blah. You know. And you know, it's like five pages of this crap, and it's wow. so 
it was just there was so much, and I'm like, Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ, get a grip. So I get to the very last sentence. My dad was a fighter pilot, so I've always been kind of like, you know, to the point. Yeah. And I get to the very last sentence, and it says, "While you're waiting for the spell to work, eat right and exercise." <laughs> what? And just sit there like. to do what we need to do and at that point I literally just like I, I smacked the book shut and I didn't throw it but I just kind of tossed it on the floor and went you know what this is bullshit it's all bullshit. <laughs> you know I was just I was just so irritated and fed up with the bullshit so my boyfriend at the time he had asked me like a little while later because he, he knew I'd been reading up on the stuff <clears throat> so he had asked me you know, what did you think about that book uh, this girl Caroline let me and oh I let him have it <laughs> I just started oh this hypocrites here bullshit this and why and, and I just and what's amusing but bizarre at the same time was I was quoting LeVay like word for word and never even knew who he was or anything I mean there were some parts of it that it, it still sends a little shivers up my spine that I was quoting him so my, my buddy's sitting there, and he's looking at me, and he goes, I have a book you need to read. Right, it's not another one. And he's like, no, no, really, I think you need to read this. I'm like, yeah, right. This is the satanic Bible. And so I'm like, yeah. Ooh, burn a black candle instead of a red one. Ooh, pray to instead of the mother goddess. You know, I was, like, totally just making so much fun of it. Like, yeah, right, whatever. So he brings me the book, and I shove it in my book bag. You have to remember, I'm still in high school. I can't even drive yet. <clears throat> And uh, so I stick it in my book bag, and I promptly forget it. And so he asked me, did you read it? No. So finally one day, I'm like, no, I'm going to read this. And I'm just going to hand him his ass on a platter with how fucking stupid it is and how mm-hmm. it is like Wicca. And I mean, I was just ready to tear it to shreds. And so like anyone who's read it, <laughs> obviously knows <laughs> that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and I always... I think it's kind of funny because I know a lot of kids or folks that, that read it, you know, you have this picture in your head of them being like really goth looking or emo or, you know, yeah. heavy metal. Cause you have to remember, this is like the late eighties. I graduated in 90. So here I am <clears throat> and I'm wearing, <laughs> I'm dressed like a cheerleader from the gap. I'm wearing white jean shorts and purple socks with white Ked tennis shoes and <laughs> My hair's in a ponytail. My room is like pastel, purple and gray from Miami Vice. I look all for the world like, you know, the little girl next door with blonde hair and the blue eyes. And I got to the sentence that said, bow down before me for I am the highest embodiment of human life. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) It's like I knew as soon as I read that sentence. And I was like, God damn it. What am I going to tell my mother? <laughs> <laughs> How do I tell my mom I have understood something finally? What am I going to do? So I finished reading, obviously. And <clears throat> uh, it's funny again, because you have to remember, this is back in the 80s, and people who are listening to this, they might not have even been born yet. <laughs> and <laughs> I hope I have some... <laughs> At least eighties listeners. <laughs> you do, but you you are going to have people like my my one buddy in England who I don't even know if he's old enough to drink yet. Oh wow! But 
literally, I um, there wasn't an internet. There wasn't Wikipedia. There, I mean, none yeah. of that was around. All I had was this book by this guy. And what do you do now? You know, mm-hmm. it's I not. Like you can, it's like you can walk down the street and go, "Oh, here's a church of Satan." I'll stop in and say hi. It just, <clears throat> you know, it's not like the Lutherans or the Methodists, right? Yeah. So I was like, shit, I didn't know what to do. So I, I kind of did nothing, except I just knew. And then I think the next point in time was I went out to California because my family is all originally from California. And, you know, it was always in the back of my head. And I'll, I'll never forget, I went to this library in Los Angeles because that's where my family's from. And I found the phone book section. And they had phone books for everywhere in California. And I was just literally like vibrating with excitement. Like, do they have San Francisco? <laughs> Under, you know, because I honestly thought that this was this thing that happened in the 60s and it was like, you know, a swell thing and it was fun, but it wasn't around anymore. And, you know, maybe all these old people went and had dinner once a year and joked about it and laughed. Remember when we had that Church of Satan thing? Yeah, right. I, I didn't. I didn't know it was still there if it was, you know. So I remember just looking for that San Francisco phone book and pulling it out of the dusty thing and slapping it. And again, remember, this is there were not computers or anything. Yeah. So I opened up the phone book and I looked under churches and, oh, my God, it was there. It was there. And I just remember that feeling of it's still there. It's still there, you know. So I, I remember photocopying that page with a dime. <laughs> Nice. Can you make a copy for a dime anymore? Yeah, no, I don't think so, but I remember doing it. <laughs> and, and 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 I went back to my grandparents' house, and I actually called the phone number. And I had no clue what I was going to do if someone answered, but I was just like, oh, my God. And I got an answering machine, um, and there wasn't a way to leave a message, and I didn't know what to do. And But it was still there, and I swear I kept it. I still have it. I still have it. <laughs> That's great. Um, that little photocopy of that paper from the library. So, you know, then again, you fast forward all these years and, um, you know, this was right about when internet kind of was, everyone had it and you could go out and search and look. And I started talking to folks and I actually wrote a a pretty nice piece about um, how I found God. I don't know if you've read that one or not, not. but it kind of, uh, it outlines the, um, me trying to go back to the Christian church, you know, trying to be a Christian. And I just, you know, I tried so hard. I really did. And I, you know, begged them to, to fix me and to make me believe. And I really wanted to, cause I kept thinking that, you know, if I could just believe in God, then I could be happy or something, you know, cause I, I was, you know, I was not a single mom, but I was raising stepsons when my husband was on the road and I was alone all the time. And I was seeing these like people on TV, all happy for Jesus. And I was like, I want to be, like that I want to be happy and just gleeful and you know love the Lord and just everything will be perfect if I could just do this and I struggled with it for about a year I tried so hard um and and I I would I was the one you know I didn't argue with the Christians I'm like please tell me tell me what to do tell me what to say tell me what to think tell me what to believe and I'll do it and, and, and I just I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't and it was driving me crazy it was driving me crazy and then there was just this one night where I was literally in tears because I was like, why can't I do this? Why can't I believe in God? And I was laying there and whenever things got tough or whenever I hit a problem or whenever I didn't know what to do, I always said to myself, what would they do? What would they tell you to do? 
because that, that's the only advice that ever fixed or worked in the whole time was, all right, what would LeVay say? <clears throat> and, and I said, you know what? LeVay would say, stop bitching and do what you need to do. That's not working. You need to figure something else out. And I, I literally was using him to convince myself to keep trying to believe in God. <laughs> that is priceless. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, I, you know, it just it, it fucking hit me like a sledgehammer. And it, I realized that, uh, you know, I it wasn't that I needed to believe in God. It's that I had forgotten to believe in myself. And then all of a sudden, it's like it all just, you know, like this yeah. huge explosion in my head. I started laughing. And, and I think that was the first time I ever said out loud, Hail Satan. I really did. And I, it, it was just, you know, there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think I went out online. I got out of bed. I was like 2 in the morning, and I got online, and I'm like, it's got to be there. It's got to be there. And it was. And <laughs> you know the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe I sent in my uh, application um, for Valentine's Day. That was my Valentine's Day gift for myself. So um, nice. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. I love that you were trying to use Levay's teaching to believe in God. It really was. <laughs> that's awesome. And and you found her. <laughs> I did. I did. It's fantastic. Um, I understand you're a TOV member as well, right? Yes, sir. Uh, what brought you there? Uh, you know, it was interesting. I had posted a ritual that I had done on Letters to the Devil. And I had about 10 people send me a, a private message saying, you need to go to the TOV. You need to go to the TOV right now. And I'm like, whatever. And I had looked at the TOV side, I don't know how many times. This was many, many, many incarnations ago. Right. And... To me, it was like pff, Church of Satan with fucking, you know, oh, God, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, you can say, yeah. You've already said it like seven times, so it's quite right. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know if the FCC would come spank you. Or- <laughs> as long as they're gentle, I'm quite right with it. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, okay, we're going to be COS and we're going to wear flouncy coats and lace ruffles. And- <laughs> Lift on the talk and nothing. and and I don't know how many times I looked at the website and just chuckled and said yeah whatever, you know I just ignored it. Um, but then when these people were all like, you really need to go, and I had actually also been talking to another person um, <clears throat> uh, on letters to the devil, and some people might remember him. I don't I don't know how many names he went through. He and I used to be like at each other's throats, but we actually got to be really good friends, <laughs> and. We would have these long existential, you know, talks sometimes. And one time he told me it was really interesting. He said, if anything ever happens to me or I disappear, you need to go to the TOV because you'll find people there to talk to. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And sure enough, he did. He just disappeared completely. (laughs) And I was kind of a little bummed because I really enjoyed talking to him. So between that and the ritual and all those people saying you needed to go, I, I did. Um, and this time I, I went to the message board there, um, you know, to see what was up past the whole Anne Rice thing, right? Mm-hmm. For those who are members now, it has nothing to do with Anne Rice. But at the time, the, the aesthetic presentation kind of lent itself in that direction. 
so anyway, I met Nemo. And uh, wow, he's he's awesome. He's like my other dad. And um, started to talk to him and some other folks. And, you know, I started to understand really what was, you know, the whole thing was about. And I just, uh, wow, I was really, I, I again, I felt like I was home again, you know. How about we turn the tide a little bit to Lil's Awakened here? All right. I would like to uh, talk to you about this. I, I last week talked with Ann Oxer, um, and I would love to hear uh, how, th- you know, the beginning of this as it came to you. This sort of happened, um, most people know, but for the few who may not, uh, I, about three years ago, almost exactly, yeah, Three years ago, last month, I separated from my husband of 12 years, and uh, uh, it was not a genial or happy occasion. Mm -hmm. Um, It took me a little bit of time to kind of process uh, that how he'd been treating me had really, um, it had been abuse. It may be easier if if you have your arm broken and it's in a cast or you have a giant bruise on your face or if you have your teeth knocked out. I mean, it's really easy to go, oh, yeah, that's abuse. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the realm of, <clears throat> like, mental, psychological, and emotional abuse, it's a little nebulous sometimes. And if the abuser is very skilled, um, I mean, there's there was a woman I remember reading online, and she was a psychologist and she was actually married to another psychologist and he was doing it to her and she didn't catch it you know so it's it's a very subtle and an insidious form of abuse that's very difficult sometimes to recognize and um, I remember finally starting to kind of come to terms with it and really recognize it and really kind of you know, do a good debrief of the whole thing and go, wow, you know? So I started talking about it, I think, as a way to process, um, as my shrink says, to metabolize certain things and parts. Um, I'm still doing that. But what was interesting was, as I talked about it, I would have these people start coming to me going, oh, yeah, been there, done that. I know exactly what you went through. And it really kind of stunned me, you know, because the people coming to me I think it's very easy sometimes if you've never been in that situation or never realized you were in that situation to kind of think of an abused woman as being, you know, maybe lower class or living in a trailer park or you know, has a boyfriend that beats on her and drinks, you know. <clears throat> and I don't think that it's really common knowledge that a lot of, you know, wealthy, successful, educated women have been abused as well um, because there is sort of a stereotype around you know, the victim, I guess. So people who were coming to me, I was like, wow, you know, I had no idea. And interestingly enough, I had men come to me. And I had actually two men come to me and say, you know, let me tell you what happened to me. And so, you know, just to put it out there that men aren't the only ones who abuse. Women do it too, two men. And I think it's hard. I think it's harder for a man to come out and go, yeah, I was abused. I think it's a lot harder. But it was just so fascinating that all these people kept coming to me. You know, and some of them even came to me and said, I didn't realize I was being abused until I heard your story. 
So that coupled with a couple other incidences of, you know, having people who are very religious um, tell me that in order to heal, I needed to accept Jesus in my heart, and I needed to forgive him. And I'm like, there is no fucking giving <laughs> shit. You know, and, you know, they would, they would act like, well, then you're just doomed to forever, you know. And it was almost like they could not comprehend me being allowed or able to heal unless I followed their Christian 12-step program of how to process this. So it, it started to occur to me, you know, I've talked to these amazing women who are intelligent and smart and, and accomplished, and they've healed as well, and they've done it without Jesus. And suddenly it occurred to me, you know, that may not be a bad thing to share, you know. We share um, a lot of things, you know, about um, Satanism from maybe an empowerment perspective or from a artistic perspective, but, and, and I don't mean to sound all touchy-feely hippie, but I don't think I've ever seen people talk about it from a healing perspective, you know. Yeah. And I had not read the other girls' stories until the other night, uh, for anyone who hasn't read the book, I mean, I cried through a couple of them. I was like, wow, you know, what I went through was nothing <laughs> compared to some of these other gals. And But there's a consistent story through here that, you know, all of us in those dark times found comfort, found strength, and, and found a, a recovery and a way to heal through living in his words. And, I, you know, it's funny I don't know if he ever, I don't think he ever had that intent. And, and I have to wonder if he, if he ever realized that, that his words could have a far more powerful effect and reach than what he ever thought of or dreamed of. So I really felt it needed to be shared, you know. Yeah. And also, and, and not to put the boys down, <laughs> but, you know, you hear a lot from the men from the church. You know, we've got the, the amazing Kevin Slaughter, and a very close personal friend of mine, uh, Reverend Merciless. You know, we hear a lot from them, but you really don't, I think, hear a lot from the ladies on the, the religion itself. And I thought it was nice to let us kind of have a little voice and lend it, you know, to, to showing what a great organization and uh, what a great philosophy we have, that it's, it's ever so much more than you know, Baphomets and pointy horns and stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and that is something I've noticed too, and uh, my audience has certainly noticed and made me aware of. Um, in some of my earlier shows, it was really just whenever I'd have a guest, man, 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 and finally I had a woman on, and uh, the women who do listen to my show, I'm very grateful for it, and, you know, they, they hung in there for as long as they could. <laughs> Um, and you know, they let me know that this is great. This is what I would love to hear. I like to know that it's not just this guy club. I'm well, paraphrasing it does, here. It does come across that way sometimes, but I don't think it's, it's not the fault of the organization so much. I think it's just that they, the gentlemen tend to be more, um, I guess out there with things, you know? Yeah. Um, so at, yeah, I think, but I think a lot of the women now are kind of finding their own and, you know, growing into it, so to speak, you know, over the, over the time since I've been a member. Um, I mean, we've had wonderful women like uh, Egraine and uh, 
Miss Diana and all those ladies, but they're just not out publicly as much. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess it's time for you know the rest of us that have been around for a while maybe step up a little and you know stand next to the guys. <laughs> well, I think Lilith Awakened is, as you said, a fantastic vessel for just that. Um, you know, I have a hard time thinking Anton LaVey wasn't aware of the potential of what he was saying, uh, what he wrote and what he, what he truly, um, you know, understood because he wrote The Satanic Witch, you know? I mean, this is a volume that I think any man is going to learn a lot about themselves as much as a woman would through reading it, um... But I feel like that was that was sort of his reach out, and this is really one of the early reasons why I, I latched onto Satanism. I, I was raised by uh, women primarily, and I had a, a deep connection with the I- icon, that the idea of of an empowered woman, yeah. and I saw that in Satanism. And that is, to, you know, you look at the Islamic Judeo-Christian faiths, and they are very derogatory. Um, toward women, and my personal experience was that women are not that way, um, and Satanism really celebrated it. it. took the power and put it in their hands. It allowed us to be women. Yeah, and I say it took the power, I mean really it just showed them their themselves, their own power, and that's what's so fascinating about it. So I think Lilith Awakened is, is an amazing tool for that, though you know, as you said before, in in a healing way, uh, not an overt satanic witch way. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of the the negative effects, um, and and there are more than, in my opinion, positive of this Islamic Judeo Christian world that we really do kind of live in. Um, is that women end up abused uh, emotionally or physically, and it's almost as if it's accepted or encouraged in a lot of these religions. Yes, it is. And so it's no wonder why you have, you know, emotionally scarred human beings that that don't really know how to react. Um, you know, Lilith Awakened is a great way to share experiences. I'm, I'm wondering, at, at what point was it that you approached um, Ann Oksher about it, uh, and how did that sort of transition take place? I think, I, you know, I honestly don't remember the specific conversation, but I think she had just dealt with a douchebag. Um, <laughs> that's our collective title. That's quite it. <laughs> and she had just dealt with one, and I think we were kind of, you know, going, oh, yeah, you know. And it, it kind of evolved into a, a little bit more of a discussion, and then, you know, I kind of shared with her, the, you know, my idea. And, and she loved it. And, and she totally 100% got what my intent was and my desire. And uh, she immediately started naming some women. And some of them, them were women I had already, you know, had names for and knew their stories and, and agreed. And, but then she had other women that, you know, I didn't know very well or that they had told her their stories, but I didn't know them. And, and suddenly she just, she had this list, and she, you know, bam, she was off. And I was... I was so excited, but at the same time, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't mean now. <laughs> you know, literally, I, I, have a, I, I have my list, and it was on there, but it really was just more of a, oh, gosh, it would be nice one day to do. And I remember I was driving to work one day, and, and I was starting to stress. Um, I have a very stressful job. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly demanding, and 
there are just there are times when you know I don't have a life and being I'm on call 24 7 you know so I mean I just I literally can't I, I feel bad trying to work with people on things sometimes because I feel that you know if suddenly I have to disappear for a week you know I'm, you know, I'm sorry I'm not being a, a jerk I just can't do you know I have to triage and mm-hmm. When it comes to triage, if it's not putting money in my pocket and you know feeding my daughter and providing health insurance and you know saving the world, it's not going to get triaged up real high with everything else. So, you know, but there was this little voice that said, you know, you don't always have to control everything. You know, maybe you can let go of this one. You know, maybe this is maybe this is an opportunity for you to learn how to let go of something um, and let somebody else be in charge. Um, and that's something that's very difficult for me. I really struggle with um, delegating and so I I decided that I was just going to do that and I I actually got to work and I I sent her a note and I said you know I feel really terrible that I can't commit time to this that I think it deserves but I think that it's more important that it get done than it wait for me to have time to do it and so I said you know would you like to take it you know would you like to make it yours and and she absolutely was you know delighted with the idea and, and immediately agreed and and I said go for it and I promised myself I would not pester or bother or micromanage or come back in or try to take back over and I would just let her take it and make whatever she thought was right with it and and trust that she could do it and you know she did a great job mm-hmm. her it was her idea actually to have the proceeds go to that um, that fund. Never in a million years occurred to me to do that, and she came up with that idea, which I thought was was brilliant. Um, and and she just did a great job, and it made me feel so good that I was able to hand that over, and and see it come to fruition, but not have the added stress of having to be in charge of it on me. You know, so that was really a great learning experience for myself, and and I'm just so proud of Anne and so pleased with the product she put out. Yeah, it, it really is a fantastic book. And, and that organization you were talking about is um, the National Violence Against Women Prevention Research Center. I mean, it's really kind of a mouthful, but... Um, Say that 10 times fast. Yeah, really. Uh, so, I mean, we talked about in briefly last um, last week, uh, and again, um, just to reiterate, you know, if, if you pick up the book, the proceeds do go directly to the organization. Um, and it's one of those things where... If there's uh, a gift that someone in your family needs, you know, pick up the book, send it over to them. Um, or a and, woman you may know that uh, maybe is struggling and, and doesn't. I mean, I think the biggest, I think the, one of the biggest reasons that I honestly didn't realize exactly what was going on was that I just, I didn't know what he was doing was abuse. I thought he was just, you know, oh, I married a jerk, oops. But <laughs> there's a difference between being a jerk and being an abuser. There really is. And and I just, I honestly just did not know. And it wasn't until after my shrink kind of sat me down and said, listen, you need to understand what happened to you. And I actually, I didn't believe him. I refused to accept that. Um, I, I didn't want him to be an abuser because then that made me a victim and I was a victim I was strong and um, but then when I went out and actually started like I, I was actually trying to find evidence to refute what he was saying to me 
Mm-hmm. And of course, he was completely right. Um, I couldn't refute him. Um, but I learned a lot in the process. And I think that what's beautiful about this book also is that, you know, there are women out there that may they don't realize, you know, they just, oh, you know, I, I had no idea that this is so fundamentally unacceptable. Because um, yeah. you know, I, I told my dad at one point, I said, you know, when I take my, I took my marriage vows very seriously. You know, I'm not a Christian, but I took, I take any promise I make seriously. And I said, you know, where I struggled was where do you cross that line from, you know, you say you're better for worse. Where do you cross the line from worst to unacceptable? Mm-hmm. You know, it was easy to say, "Oh, if he breaks my arm, um, oh, knocks my teeth out," but if he calls me a cunt, you know, that—that's it was a little more nebulous to me on that. You know, because you you're raised sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Am I going to be a pussy and and let words hurt me? And and you know, but. Yeah, and again, when you read what I wrote for the book, it's interesting because I, I basically went through and showed how I, at times, used Satanism to justify staying with him, and yeah. how it was really an error when I did that. Um, and and I think that more important than anything else, that may open some women's eyes into going, "Oh my God, I'm doing the same thing." Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, a, you know, a great example I gave is the whole. Uh, um, you know, you hear as a Satanist, you hear over and over, "Don't tell your troubles to others unless you're sure they want to hear them." Right? Yeah, rule of theirs. Yeah. Okay. So, who wants to hear about my husband being a jerk? Who wants to hear about the fact that he called me a cunt? You know, who wants to hear about the fact that he punched holes in the wall? Who want, nobody wants to fucking hear me talk about this. You know, am I just being a whiner? You know, how many times did I not say anything because I just figured nobody wanted to hear? You know? Yeah. But what I did learn was, uh, like, there's a difference between whining, you know, about I have a yeast infection or I hate the DMV or, you know. <laughs> you know, saying someone's hurting you, that's, uh, you know, your real friends, even if they're Satanists, they want to know this. They mm-hmm. want to know this and they want to help you. So hopefully, maybe after reading, you know, how I dissect my errors, and my, uh, you know, using Satanism to, to justify being stupid sometimes. <laughs> you know, other people may see that maybe they're making the same mistakes I did. Maybe they can learn from my mistake, you know? Yeah. And I, I think there is also a, a difference. I, I think some people may, and, and this is just sort of me ranting here, I think some people may use abuse as um, a sort of, Excuse. So they say, well, you know, I'm more of a masochist type, so this behavior is okay. And there's a difference between acknowledged um, masochism and abuse. And objectively understanding it, I think, may be challenging for the individual. But something like Lilith Awakened, I think, might help with that. And also, you know, if you are wondering if it is, you know, just you... uh, putting out a role and then picking it up or whether it's abuse, well then it's probably abuse because if you're not sure about it, then you're not in control. Yeah, and let me, because I didn't really, I did not address that, but one of the things that uh, the douchebag did towards the end was he decided he was a dom. Mm-hmm. He decided he was a dom and suddenly 
he could do what he wanted because he's just being a dog and that's okay because that's what dogs do. And it was very confusing for me at the end because um, I do tend um, in, uh, in relationships with men to uh, be more submissive. And so I was very confused because I didn't understand why this, you know, didn't seem right. And I'm fortunate uh, that Thomas, I talked about him a lot, he really helped me understand and learn a lot about the difference between a dom and an abuser. Um, And there is a tremendously huge difference. And for those women who may be in that situation, um, I would highly advise you to go out. There are just a plethora of chat rooms for the alternative lifestyles, the, the scenes, and there are so many articles on, you know, the, the dom versus the abuser, and, you know, um, there's, it in any t- sort of dom-sub relationship, it is, it is a, a balance, and it's a mutually respectful give and take. Mm-hmm. And it's an agreed upon transaction of power. And if at any time you're being treated in a way that you don't agree with and that you have not agreed upon with your partner, then it's abuse. Now, he can hang you from the rafters and beat you with a cane, but if you've agreed upon that, you find pleasure in that and you are both participating in it willingly together that's not abuse. If he grabs you by the hair, pulls you down the stairs and punches you in the teeth and you're crying and saying, no, no, don't, you never agreed to this, then, you know, there's a whole, you know, I definitely advise any woman that's questioning that to go out and you will find so many articles by, by women and men that will, that will really help you kind of delineate and help you sort that out on your own. Because that, that really is, I think you bring up an incredibly good point because Douchebag really did try to do that at the end, the whole I'm a Dom thing. And that's how uh, those last 48 hours were very unpleasant with him because he was doing his Dom thing. Um, yeah, I, I always liked my the interpretation I, I took from Anton LaVey in, in talking about it in the Satanic Witch is that uh, the, the submissive, the masochist is actually the one in control yes because they're setting the limits Um, they're allowing the submissive to do what they want them to do yes not the other way around very good point about that he did say he's like you know at the heart of it it really is the submissive that is the dominant in a bizarre way so um so yeah you're absolutely right very much so um and this is I, I wrote this question um, early on, and I feel stupid asking it um, <laughs> because I don't think it's. I'm going to ask it anyway, but uh, uh, with reservation, <laughs> with noted reservation, uh, having gone through what you've gone through, uh, emotional abuse, um, and the years that it took you to realize it, and and I'm sure the the courage and fear that it took to get out of the situation. Uh, do you think you're stronger for it? And if so, as sort of a second part, would you trade not having experienced it? You know, I thought a lot about that this week because you kind of mentioned you might ask that. And I really thought about that question a lot. And I think I came to the conclusion that I don't think abuse makes anyone strong. I think abuse may 
help a person realize how strong they are. But I don't think it creates strength. It may uncover it, though. And I do think that, I think that I've learned that I'm an incredibly strong person. Um, I will credit uh, to the end of time, up and down, I will credit the Temple of the Vampire with, uh, it's very strange, but in a way I feel like maybe all those years I spent going through the grades and, and all the things I've learned, it was almost like it was preparing me for that moment. Um, and that year after after the separation, waiting for the divorce and then going through the divorce, I really had to be so completely in control, on top of, and really, you know, from a greater and a lesser magic perspective, I had to be so on the money with everything. And I had a lot of people in my family and my friends, you know, that, that aren't part of either organization, just like, why are you doing this? Why are you, you know, they, they could not understand why I was not out there being this, you know, one of those screaming pieces of white trash on cops, you know, throwing a flying gun at them. And, you know, I kept trying to explain, you know, I was approaching this like Sun Tzu. I was Machiavelli. I was like, you know what? Up until the minute we separated. I was the perfect wife. I was an awesome wife. And I had his back to the end. But the minute he breached that contract, it became null and void. And that fucker's going down like a $5 tie hooker, okay? <laughs> oh my gosh. And <laughs> that's really how I was playing this game. I, I, I play to win. And he was gonna go down and it really it wasn't a it wasn't a rage thing it wasn't a an emotional thing it was it was very almost for those truckies it was very Vulcan it was okay this is how it will be and you know I, I think I really did not realize how strong I really was until I went through that year and I literally just crushed him I mean I crushed him Lately. That's great. And so when you when you ask that, it's like you know. But then I see other women that have been abused, and, and they they just can they could never do what I did. You know, they just they just they, they don't have the capacity. I don't think they have the, and some of them don't have the intelligence, and some of them just don't have the strength. Mm -hmm. So when you ask that, it was like you know I really don't think it it gave it to me, but it helped me uncover it. So then from the perspective of do I wish I hadn't been, hadn't gone through it? You know, there is a part of me that wishes, you know, I had done a lot of things different, not just my marriage. You know, and I don't think I don't think anyone who doesn't tell you that's a liar. Right. Uh, you know, there's no proof that if I hadn't married him or been through that, that, you know, something worse wouldn't have happened. Or, you know, I, for those who don't know, I had cancer in college. And as a complication to cancer, I had open heart surgery a couple of years ago. So, I mean... You know, I've had some stuff happen to me that would have happened whether or not he was there. And, you know, the cancer could have killed me in college, and I might not even be sitting here talking to you. So yeah. um, I I think the one thing that tells me that I, I wouldn't trade it would be my daughter. That's, I, that's a powerful reason. <laughs> I, I, you know, but I think in a way, learning what I've learned, I think it's made me a better mother. 
I think it's made me much more compassionate and empathetic as to how your behavior towards someone affects them. And I think it's hopefully put me in a position to educate her on dangerous people mm-hmm. so that she can maybe avoid having to go through what I went through. She Well, she did go through what I went through. I mean, uh, to be honest, his behavior affected her egregiously. And, uh, and we, you know, she still has nightmares. Um, you know, she, she still has issues based on how she saw him treat me. So she's been through it once, but I'm hoping that um, she cannot have to go through it again as an adult because I'll be there to help her learn and remind her and, you know, do it in a kind, loving way, not in a screeching, harpy way like some others are. <laughs> Right. Well, and more importantly, she's seen you. You know, yeah. she's watched you, and, and that I think is much more important than than anything. A tough cookie, and I think she's a tough cookie because her mom is a tough cookie, and, <laughs> and so yeah. I mean, it sucked, but you know, shit happens, and life sucks sometimes, and we get through it, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think that is the most important thing and maybe probably the best answer I could have ever expected um, from a really I guess you could even say it's a trick question like this um, where you know we live in chaos and we do not completely control it Um, what we are capable of controlling we do um, from an actualized position from um, a a position of, of objective perspective and, you know, that's all we can do. And I think Satanism certainly has a role with my life in helping teach me that. And it sounds certainly like it did with you as well. Um, wow. Th- thank you so much for talking with me about this. The collection is Lilith Awakened. Um, check out lulu.com, search for Lilith Awakened or Ann Auksher, Um And maybe even Josephine Seven, and it should come up. Um, Josephine, it's been a true pleasure talking with you. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I hope uh, maybe for some of the other many projects you're working on, we can do it again. And before we go, did you want to talk a little bit about any of those other projects? Oh, gosh. Well, how about I just give you um, – I'll just let you know a couple things I'm working on, and then we can uh, do a follow-up at some point. Um, I would great. say that I've got Lilith Awakened is out, uh, Hydra – uh, has, you know, asked me to participate in her end of the world collection. So that hopefully will be coming out next year. Uh, I have actually uh, entirely unrelated to the COS. I have a piece of erotica coming out in a collection with the Google Plus project with uh, uh, Tess Tess Moore, and it'll be coming out in her third. I think there were uh, two others that have been out now, and they're just putting the last one together. Uh, I'm re-releasing my cookbook for all my old fans. I know they've been waiting a long time for that, so I'm hoping to have that out by Halloween this year. Nice. So I have a vampire gourmet that's drafted, but I want to get the, the satanic one out first and the moody vampire next. Cool. Uh, have a full-length erotic novel that's almost all done. Uh, we have a secondary novel that's spun off of a Twitter contest I did. Uh, <laughs> I actually have a children's book with Thomas, and I won't go into detail, but he wrote it, and I'm going to illustrate it, and it's just so fabulously, awesomely neat. I cannot wait for that to be done. That's great. And I think um, that's all the big stuff, you know. 
<laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> You're a busy woman. <laughs> yeah, I try. I don't know if sleep is necessary, so I just plug myself into the wall every once in a while and recharge. <laughs> That's great. Well, I certainly would love to have you back on to talk about any of those that are coming out. So um, keep me posted. I'll, I'll be watching online as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Adam. Have a great night. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. That's going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. You can also subscribe via iTunes by searching 9 cents. And don't forget to leave a rating or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, an online streaming radio station. Once again, thank you for joining me, and as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, and until next week, Hail Satan! <laughs> <laughs>